Amen, amen. Good morning, Thrive. Woo! Amen, amen. Hey, just because the good singers left doesn't mean you need to be quiet, all right? <laughs> amen. Man, it is so good to see everybody here this morning. As I know sometimes on a bright sunny day after a mini snow mageddon, right, or ice mageddon, uh, it's sometimes hard to, to, to break out. It reminds me of a story. Uh, this mom was trying to get her son to come to church and goes to wake him up and pounds on the door and says, get up, it's time to go to church. And the son says, I don't want to go. And the mom's like, why not? He goes, I'll give you two reasons. They don't like me and I don't like them. So the mom thought a second and says, well, I'll give you two reasons why you should come to church. And he says, what's that? And she says, one, you're 47 years old. <laughs> two, you're the pastor. Right? <laughs> so if you wonder where Pastor, Pastor Nathan is at, no, I'm joking. <laughs> no, amen. He is at home, uh, guaranteed, praying for, for you, praying for all of us here today as he just gets some alone time to God to get refreshed and strengthened after last week's amazing download of the fullness of the vision that God has for every single one of you here at Thrive, that he wants to use us. I mean, these things right in front of your, right in front of you, you'll see these. If you ever need to be reminded about how awesome the vision was, go back and watch it online. Look at these pictures. I mean, I look at this, and the first one is the super-duper amazing on steroids, Holy Spirit-filled, mega roller coaster, kid puking, causing, you know, tilt a war or whatever, you know, <laughs> amazing playground that's going to be built out here for our kids. And then the first service, uh, um, there was a man here that, that I think it's Hacker Family is how you say it, um, just had a, a baby. They came to Next Steps a few weeks ago, and we got to uh, share with them the vision early of what Pastor shared with us last week and got to start praying um, for her baby. And she gave birth last week, I think it was, maybe a week and a half ago. And the baby's doing great, a young boy. And so we have the honor and privilege saying, you know what? You go to church, it has a plan. From the womb all the way to college and adulthood. Right, and when I saw that vision of not just praying for them, saying good luck in school, but after you know, encourage them to do good in school, and when they graduate, helping them find and go to a college that's going to uh, build them up in their anointing and their gifts, and for God to do what He wants to do in them. So hopefully, when they graduate, they'll come back to thrive in our brand new church building that's going to be out here because this right here will be the youth building and the children's ministry. You know, they're they're growing so fast, they're kicking us out, right? And so just knowing. Everything that God wants to do through each one of you, because you have to be a part of that. God didn't give him this huge vision, right, just for the staff, just for, the, you know, the volunteers. For each one of you sitting in a seat, you can say, you know what, I'm going to plant a seed in that. I want to plant a seed in here to help build the, the playground, to hire the next generation pastor who's going to take that children's ministry and the youth and bring it to that next level where they will be standing up here themselves, leading worship, bringing the message, and then sprinting off into their groups. Isn't that amazing? Right? And, for, you know, the college, the, the youth and ministry building that's going to be temporary for a couple of the older youth or a few of the older youth over there, the mobile cafe, 
the new church building and the Thrive Dream Center. Man, if there's not enough vision there for you to get involved in and think, you know what, this is where I can use my gifts. This is where I can plant the seed, that extra blessing over and beyond our tithe. And there's still time. My wife and I are still praying, right? Because I want it to maybe be a little uncomfortable for us. We have no problem tithing. We have no problem giving. We try to give, you know, 17% number of victory. So to go over that, right? Because I trust God. I know that he says, test me and prove me in this, right? So I know I can't outgive God. It all belongs to him anyway. From the air that I breathe, to the strength that I have, to the plans that he has for me, to the, to the money that, that comes you know, our way, it's all his, right? So I'm just going to give it back and, and watch what he does with it. Amen? All right. So I want to remind you, right out front as you walked in, you might have saw the cart. Um, there's a place to sign up. So you can start going back and visiting the kids' area and seeing what God is doing back there. And, just, and if you didn't see it as you walk in, you can look at the, the kids. They drew their playground of the vision that God has said, okay, this is what our playground is going to look like. Man, they have slides. and I mean, it's amazing. Take a look at it. But you can sign up, go back there, and think, yeah, I can do this one time a month. And if enough people sign up, I can do this you know, once every three months. But I want to do my part in raising this next generation. So I won't be sitting on the couch and thinking, man, you know, what has happened to our world? These young kids, right? Let's start investing in them and watching what God does. Amen? And then also Valentine's dinner for all the husbands. We took all the planning out of it. You don't have to do anything. You can get a line sign up for the Valentine's uh, dinner. It's going uh, to be great. Great food, big steak, right? Good, good stuff. So you can sign up. Uh, for that, and I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting something. Thrive Tribes. We'll be talking about a lot of that throughout the sermon. Sign up for th- uh, a Thrive Tribe. Get involved, and trust me, there's there's one for you. Uh, Pastor is going to lead me. Uh, uh, Pastor Nathan, myself, and Deb are going to do a financial freedom uh, type course. So you know, help you get out of debt, help you to invest, help you to. To, to find out how God will bless your finances. But then there's, there's lots of, uh, there's the how-to girls where they're going to ride horses and you know, shoot guns and just all kinds of, you know, cool stuff. And, uh, and so I, I guarantee there, there's a lunch ladies or something like that. Uh, you know, they stole my idea for the buffet tribe. So maybe next time, man, right? So uh, there's something, something there for, for all of us. You, you can't outgive God, you know, and it kind of makes me, you know, when money gets old, they retire it, right? So one time as they retiring this money, there's a $100 bill and a, and a $1 bill um, next to each other, you know, going down the conveyor, conveyor belt to, to get put away, to get stored away. And the $100 bill talked to the $1 bill. Everybody knows money talks, right? Right? I know you've said it, money talks, right? So the $100 bill says, the dollar bill says, Man, I have been everywhere. I've been to Vegas. I've been to California. I've been to, to Europe. I've been to the Eiffel Tower. You know, I visited California, got out as quickly as possible. I, you know, um, <laughs> you know, I've been to the Broadway shows, to, to the shows on Vegas. It just, I've been everywhere in the richest people in the world's hands. I, I've done it and seen it all. Where have you been? And Dollar Bill says, well, I, I, I've been to the Methodist church and 
the Baptist church and the non-denominational church and the $100 bill said, what's church? <laughs> See, some of you are awake. Okay, before you, there's a cafe right outside the door here. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, let's uh, uh, jump right in to this. Matthew 16, verse 18. God is such a personal God. He wants to have an intimate, close relationship with you. And from this verse, it says, I will build my church. My church and the gates of hell will not prevail over it, will not overcome it. Think about that. Jesus is looking at you right now, saying, I will build my church. That's you. It's not the building. It's you. Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build you. And the gates of hell will not overcome you. Isn't that awesome to think about? And you think, wow, what kind of God that wants this intimate relationship with me, wants to have this closeness with me that he is promising that the gates of hell shall not prevail. They will not overcome me. He's always been a personal God, even from the the Garden of Eden when he created all things and he placed Adam inside of it. And, you know, he had all the animals walk in front of him and Adam was brilliant. He named them all. But then he looked around, and he, I mean, he saw a male and a female duck, and a male and a female dog, and a male and a female hippo, and a male and a female platypus, right? That's weird. All right, so, <laughs> and nothing but for him. And so God's like, I'm going to make this thing. I'm going to make Eve, when you have a fat head and little ears. All right, I'm going to make a partner. I'm going to make a wife. For Eve. And so what I've done is I've listed the top 10 reasons why God made Eve for Adam. He knew when Adam got lost in the garden, he would need someone to ask directions to. (laughs) He knew that Adam would finally uh, lose the remote and he would need his wife to find it and give it back to him. Number eight, (laughs) God knew that Adam would never go buy a new fig leaf. So she would have to go to the store for him and go shopping to get it. Number seven, that Adam would never, ever, ever make his own doctor appointment, dentist appointment, hair appointment. Adam would struggle remembering which night to set out the trash for the next day. Number five, the number of grace. That Adam would never be able, men, would never be able to withstand the pain of childbirth. (laughs) Number four, that Adam would forget where he put his tools. Number three, Adam needed someone to blame for all of his problems. (laughs) This woman that you gave me. (laughs) Number two, as the Bible says, now this is scripture, it is not good for man to be alone. And number one, anticipation grows, right? When he looked at all the creation, 
And he looked at Adam, he stepped back, and he thought, you know what? I can do better than this. <laughs> so he made a woman. And if you track out a woman, Eve, throughout all of Scripture, you will see that it will translate into helper. Same word in the Greek translation as the Holy Spirit. So as the Holy Spirit guides us, so are our wives there to be our helpers. Amen? Amen. I had to score little points. Yesterday was my wife's 62nd birthday. Okay, I'm joking. <laughs> I know, she's 25. Again. <laughs> right? But, uh, yeah. Just keep digging in. <laughs> That's right. Amen. Amen. So, God promises that I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, will not overcome it. Not only is he going to provide the power and, and protect, but he wants us to be in a deep, intimate relationship, not just with him, but with each other. And so that, as we get real with one another, let's go to Ecclesiastes 4, 8 through 12. There is a man all alone. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth, with his job, with his career, with everything he had, his possessions. He wasn't happy. He was all alone. It is not good for man to be alone. And we saw this, you know, in the first month of COVID over in Japan, and it was in October, all right? that they had the lockdowns and, and everything. People couldn't go anywhere. Everybody was locked away alone. Now, this is Japan. You could, this is a CDC number. You can look. There's more people that committed suicide in Japan in one month than to date have died of COVID. Being alone makes you vulnerable to attack, and we'll get to that in a minute. But it may, it's not good. For you to be alone. We are meant to be in relationship with God and with each other. And one out of four here in the United States, in the United States under the age of 30, during this time have considered suicide. One out of 10 for everybody else in the age range has thought about contemplated committing suicide. There is no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth, his job, his career. From who or for who am I toiling? Why? Why am I doing this? Why am I working this job? Why am I making this money? Why am I buying these things? Nothing makes me happy. Where do I find happiness? And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? It gives us the answer. Two. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, and you will, you will fall, you will sin, you will stumble. Something bad in life will happen. If one of you falls down, 
One can help the other up. You know, when you're in a relationship, you know, in a marriage, it's easy for me to talk about. When you're in a marriage together, when you're dating someone, making plans for the future, when you have best, you have a best friend. When, there's, when you're together, when there's two of you, you can even be miles apart, states apart. One of you might be at home and the other one in prison. <laughs> but when you're together, the two will lift each other up. That as you're separated and, and you wrestle with what's going on and you pray for that other person. You pray for your wife. You pray for your husband. You pray for your friends. You bless them. You send angels in charge over them to protect them. You help bring them. And you might be miles away, but where they are at, they're going, they're struggling. And all of a sudden, they, they, they don't know what's going on, but they start to feel more free. They start to feel those, those chains break and they start to become more alive. They don't know what is going, but they start seeking because they're being set free by what you are doing on their behalf. A lot of times you don't even know what God is doing in your life, but he's working and he's getting other people to help you, to pray for you, to bring that message that you need to hear. And no matter how it's delivered, it could be delivered on a little bitty, you know, wall, you know, inch tall that says Jesus may love you, but Satan has you right where he wants you. You could be in a cell. (laughs) You could be in bondage to drugs, alcohol. Sex, pornography, working too much, not working at all. And but when there's two, when there's two, but pity. Oh, I love that word. Makes me think of Mr. T. All his chains and gold. He said, I pity the fool. <laughs> right? But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep him warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. You know, this verse is so powerful, as you can tell, it has a deep meaning. Right after married a few months later, found myself in prison. The whole world, my wife's family, who loved me now? Her friends, everybody said, you know what? If you divorced him, no one would, no one would hold you, that against you. You can just divorce him, wipe your hands, and, and start anew. Right? I mean, you married down anyway. You know, you can, you can marry up this next time. And, but she was what I wasn't. She was saved. So she did what I never did. She went to the Lord and said, said, God, you know exactly what I'm going through, you know, what I'm facing, everything that's coming against me. What do you want me to do? So she prayed and she opened up the Bible and the Lord led her to this scripture first. <laughs> right? No matter how many times I tell that, it gets me because Because now I know that God loved me so much that he prepared her 
for me and knew that this would happen. And that immediately she started praying. She started going to war, fighting a battle that I didn't even know I was fighting. She started fighting it for me. She was on her knees. She was praying. And those angels were coming. And everything was coming, finding me in that cell. And I told George I would do this because in that cell, uh, an L Cool J. Anybody grow up listening to L Cool J? Right? Song, and I just took the words and changed it a little bit because I was alone in my cell and I was staring at the wall and in the back of my mind, I heard my conscious call telling me I need a God who's as sweet as a dove. And for the first time in my life, I felt his love. There I was, giggling about the games that I'd play with many hearts and I ended up saying no names. Then the thought occurred, teardrops from my heart. Burn. When I said to myself, look what you've done to her. I can see it aside. I can't explain how I feel. All I know is that I'll never dish another raw deal playing make-believe. Between that, I'm true. Holding up my hand when I say that I love you. <laughs> okay, don't put don't don't, <laughs> don't put that live. Okay, <laughs> but it also made me think of a grew up watching this sitcom. I don't watch much anymore, but anybody remember the the sitcom Cheers? Anybody? Come on, come on. All right, all right. Amen. I know you know the song. If not, here's a really bad version. Making the way in the world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Sure you would <laughs> like to get away. <laughs> right? Keep going. Uh, yeah. Who's your name? And they're always glad you came. You want to be? Come on. Amen. <laughs> that was probably blasphemy right there. No. <laughs> right? You want to be where everybody knows your name. Listen, that was a bar. It should be the church. And the way that pastor has gotten the vision from, from the Lord is, is the way we do that here is in small groups, right? Sure, we're getting bigger and bigger. You know, we had 367 people here last week for Vision Sunday. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, 66 kids in the, in the children's ministry in four classrooms. They need more room. They need a bigger playground, right? As we get big, the way we see, we get big because the world needs to hear about Jesus. But we get small with small groups because the world's important, we get big, but you're important, so we stay small. And we stay small by, by forming in the Thrive Tribes, getting into small groups, right? So we will know each other's name. So you, in these small groups, going through this, this semester, and there's many different times, you come through, you read scripture, you say prayer, you share life with one another, you start praying for one another, and I guarantee you will be blessed by getting into a Thrive Tribe. It's a small group, many different you know, subjects. You know, there's, there's going to be one uh, um, trail life that's on Tuesday nights right out here that, that a man, an uncle, a grandpa can bring their sons, their, their nephews, and bring them here and do man stuff, right? We build fires and blow stuff up, and, and I don't know what they're going to do, but they're going to learn lots of the cool stuff, right? right? <laughs> there's something for everybody in some way to to get involved and to share life together. We can take our worries, have fun, 
and know, I mean, just think, if you have one person praying for you, what if you had 10? Right? There's cards on the front of the chair that you fill out, and I know a lot of people here and in the first service and everywhere, you know, have gotten a call from me. I guarantee if you fill all those cards out and put a prayer request on there, somebody will call you. And it's normally at a time that you're not ready. And, and say, hey, can I pray for you? I see you filled this out. Can I pray for you right now? That will happen in a small group. What also will happen is when you're struggling, all of a sudden, ding, someone in a small group, you'll think, how did they even know that they're praying for me? So that is where we're headed. Real life change happens in the context of relationships. It doesn't happen by just getting a lot of knowledge thrown at you. It doesn't happen by just, just you know, studying a whole bunch. If you go on a tour over in the Holy Land, there's a 96% chance that the person that is driving the tour bus isn't saved, but knows and can quote Scripture better than most Christians. They'll pull up to a holy site and they'll say, this is where such and such happens. And you can find this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 19 and and 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And they'll just go on and they'll quote all these scriptures because they know it here, but they don't believe in Jesus here. So it's not about information that'll change you. It's about relationship. It's a relationship with the one and only true living God. It's a relationship that, that comes from him and then is built and encouraged and empowered by relationships with each other. How do we get that? How do we know that? Romans chapter 12, verse 5. Since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other. And each of us needs all of the others. Isn't that powerful? I want to look at, look at your neighbor and, and say, you need me. Okay, two people. Now look at the other one and say, you need me. Right? And that's probably the most intimacy a lot of you had in a while, right? Amen. And I think this dude just got a date. So, <laughs> right? Yeah. We need each other. We need each other. Yes, most important thing in all the eternity, eternity past, eternity future, is having a relationship, being saved, your sins forgiven, Holy Spirit deposited within you, being saved. And the second is understanding that we belong to each other. We need each other. If you have your book, if not, there might be some back there still. We're going to be talking about four quadrants. That was just the opening. Four quadrants today. It's called the Jahari window. So you could, if you're a good artist, you can draw a square and, and, and a cross in the middle of it and bring four uh, quadrants, if you will, four sections, and you can duck, duck, go at Jahari window. It's a tool that people use to look at their conscience and subconscious to find out who they are, and then they use it to evaluate their friendships and their friends to do that to themselves and uh, to see what, who we are, to understand who we really are. So, so in that model with Scripture, we're going we're gonna to find out. So the very first quadrant is arena. And in this arena, this is, this is the public view. So, in other words, you probably have an opinion based on me from when you, you know, see me up here. 
Besides just the natural characteristics of being tall, dark, and handsome. Okay? Just, I mean, that's obvious, right? So, <laughs> right? But it's what everybody sees. It's a part, it's a place where you can say, yeah, I know. And where you would say, yes, I know this about you too. The Bible talks about this in Matthew chapter 23, verse 5. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. The phylacteries, as you heard Pastor talk about a couple of weeks ago, could be a small wooden block surrounded by a uh, box surrounded by leather that goes around, has scripture on it, and then they could pull out this little scroll on the inside of it just to remind themselves, right, how much God loves them, and, and they'd wear it on their, you know, the holy and holies, wear, wear the ones on their arms as well to always let everybody see that I am a holy man of God, right? So it's something that you can just look and make a judgment on. You can look at, not a judgment, bad wise, but you can look and just get a picture of who they are, what they stand for. It's something that they know, you know, Easy to find out. Same people he's talking to. A few more verses down. Matthew 23, 27. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. Teachers of the law. That was the book of the Torah. That was the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Number, Deuteronomy. That they, these teachers of the law, had memorized word for word by the time at age 11. Then they took that from age 11 and they went into the next stage of all Jewish education, okay, that they had. And by the time that they graduated and then uh, surrendered themselves to walk in the, uh, the path of a rabbi, right? A rabbi would choose them and say, come, follow me. Which brought about the saying that may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Because however that rabbi walked, wherever, how that rabbi talked, how that rabbi moved, the things that he said, this group of students would follow them, right? And walk just like them in every way, right? I mean, just in, in cadence and everything. And they would walk so close that whatever the, the teacher walked in, they got covered with, right? So they, by the time that they was at that stage, they had the whole, what we call the Old Testament. Nowadays, they have from uh, Genesis to Revelation. But back then, they had Genesis to Malachi memorized word for the word. So they knew the word, that their hearts were far from them. And Jesus says, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside. But on the inside are full of bones, and they're dead, and everything unclean. Well, I got scripture memorized. That won't save you. It takes a relationship. Second quadrant, mask. This is the area where, like, I know this about me, but you don't know. I mean, believe it or not, as, as much as I will reveal every time I preach, there's stuff that you don't know about me. <laughs> I ain't going to tell you. <laughs> I'm joking. Right? This is, this is that mask. That has developed a saying that says, I will be 
as sick as the secrets I hold. Because these are things that I know, but nobody else knows. Are they just sat in there like, like eating Mexican food at midnight? Right? And then it talks to you about three in the morning. Right? That it's just sat there and just eat you and eat you and eat you. It's like finding a nice orange normally at Walmart. You think, man, that is a beautiful looking orange. And then you peel it back and pull it apart and the center of it's black. Right? Ah. You think, well, maybe this part here doesn't have it. So you'll cut the black part off, take it, and turn it. Ah. Right? Looks good on the outside. Rotten on the inside. Because the secrets that we are holding. And what I want you to picture here, these secrets don't mean you're not saved. You can have salvation and still hold those secrets. But the Bible addresses that and says that's why we need to confess our sins one to another. He's already forgiven them. But when we confess them one to another, I can say, Stephan, I've struggled with the same thing. Or I can say, you know what? I'm struggling with this. And he can say, you know what? Me too. Or I've been there before. Let me tell you, let me help you, let me pray for you to overcome this addiction, to overcome this anger, to learn how to really forgive. Let me help you. Let's walk this out together. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 2. So, so timely, right? We refuse to wear masks. Okay, let's keep it in context. We refuse to wear a mask and play games. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. This is, a, a, this is something that you can find, hopefully within your marriage, within your relationships, and within the small group in your church. That since we know that all of our sins have been cast from as far as the east is from the west and thrown into the sea of forgiveness and paid for by the blood of Christ. I mean, do you realize that heaven became bankrupt to pay for the redemption cost of each and every one of you? And now he sits at the right hand of the Father and Satan's not allowed to stand there anymore and accuse you to God because Jesus has stood there, covered it with the blood and he's no longer allowed there. So now he comes to your ear. He goes to your friend's ear and he tries to accuse you to each other and the way to break that power is to not give him any weapon to say, no, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I know I've been doing this sin and just know that you've already been forgiven. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. Thank you for forgiving me. And he's like, yes, I already have. Thank you for loving me. I loved you at the cross. Thank you, even though I've done this bad stuff, you still love me. Yes, I knew you was going to do it before you was formed in your mother's womb. I loved you enough to pay the price for you. You are forgiven. And now confess it to your brother. Because when you do that, that's when the healing comes. That's when you are really set free and Satan has no more power that he can use that over because you're not hiding it anymore. You're, that's not making you sick anymore because you have been set free from that. When you're honest, that's the first step of freedom. A lot of you don't have the relationship you need right now 
because of the pain that you are carrying from relationships past into this one. Some are coming here, helping to sit in the back, get out first, not join a small group because they're like, man, I want to come to church to hear about God. But I've been church hurt. So you're bringing what has happened and the abuse in the past into this relationship. And if we all do that, none of us are going to have any friends. Right? And I want you to look how, how crazy, a, you know, a thinking that is. I know it's, you know, I love bacon. And every time I cook bacon, I get burned. I still eat bacon. Right? And a lot of times, uh, you know, I ruin so many shirts. My wife gets mad. Pre-treat that. Well, right? I'm cooking the bacon, the hot grease jumps up. Have you ever spilt boiling water on you and got burned? Did it, did it make you stop drinking water? So why do we let what something else, someone else did, a pain that we have in the, in the past, affect us in our relationships right now? Let that go. Step into a new thing, a new tribe, a new relationship where it can be open and honest. It can be hot, honest, open, and transparent. I got to hurry. C.S. Lewis said this, friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, what? <laughs> you too? I thought I was the only one. John 3.16, everybody knows this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness. Their secrets. Instead of the light, because of their deeds, we're evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives in the truth comes into the light so that they may see plainly that what they have done has they have been doing in the sight of God. See, we keep these secrets thinking nobody knows. God knows. He's forgiven you of it. Now quit letting it rule your life. Quit giving it power. That unforgiveness. Quit letting whoever abused you in the past keep abusing you because you're holding on to that. Forgive them. And watch the strength come. Watch the healing come. Watch the deliverance come. Watch the freedom come from walking in forgiveness. Just in case... He thought I was making it up. James 5, 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Colossians 4, 12. 
This guy. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. Greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. See, that's why you want to get in a tribe. That's why you want to make friends at church. So that you may be going through something and someone else is over here wrestling for you. Sending those angels, sending that prayer, sending those blessings. Starting to break those chains away. There's, there's always more for you than what's against you. And a lot of what's for you, you didn't even know were there because someone else has carried enough for you to pray for you. And that strength will come and that victory will come and that power will come. But you got to get in relationship to have it. A lot of times, even in your salvation, you're walking around getting beat up by Satan. And Jesus is up here saying, use the power that I gave you. Right? Remember the movie Black Panther? Show them who you are. Right? We got sweatshirts to say it, not today, Satan. Number three is blind spot. This is an area of I don't know, but you know. Proverbs 27. Verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, and I want you to see this. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes a friend is going to tell you something that they see in your life that you don't see. And it's going to hurt. And you might get mad at them. And you might think, man, you're not a friend of me. Why are you saying that to me? Why are you pointing that out inside? You know what they're saying is true. But your pride stops you from admitting it. You don't want to be set free from that. But it says faithful are the wounds. It might hurt a little bit. But it's better than being kissed by your enemy at two brute. Hebrews 3. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Don't let your heart get hardened towards one another. Encourage each other daily. Pray for each other daily. Why? Because there's something there that sometimes nobody sees, but God does. It's called potential. I know when I was in the prison cell, and I won't rap, that the world says he's right where he needs to be. And God said, yep, because I have plans for this one. And then he revealed it to my wife. And I remember in court, we weren't supposed to see each other getting close to getting out. That I walked up and she said hi, and we got in the same elevator, which was way illegal, but somehow it happened. And uh, we got up there, and God was working on my behalf, and everything else working on my behalf. And the judge went, Cass, I'm sorry we wasted your time. $67,000 of restitution, gone. 
$30,000 fine, gone. So what basis do we have for the case? None. Two years later, I get the, the letter. <laughs> You've been set free. And all your rights and everything that was taken away, restored. Innocent. In Jesus' name. See, that's the part that nobody knows but God. And if someone loves you enough and you form a relationship and become a friend with someone, you'll start praying that and seeing that potential, that God potential within them. And Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Colossians 2, 19, the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. We all need each other. We're in one body. I heard another pastor, and I like him. I'm going to use it because he has the same initials, PC. He is Pastor Chris. He says, if you take a young child and cut off a hand, I know, don't do that. Bandage it up, set the hand aside. That child will grow and mature. But the hand, because it's no longer attached to the body, will rot and become useless. You have a body. You have a place in the body of Christ. Let's stay together and grow and mature. And the way we do that is get in a group because that's where you will become known upon known. Get on a team because you're needed. Be us. Be we. Be part of a group. Everybody, please stand. Father God, we love you. And we thank you for being such a good and loving God. And Father God, I just pray as, as each person is here, as the worship team will, will play in just a second the, the closing song as we celebrate the goodness of you and how much you love us and the victory that you have won and the power in which you have given us and the relationships that we're going to form and have formed and the, the power and the victory and the healing that is going to be brought from these relationships. Father God, I will pray first that each person here today does cause you, cause, calls you their Lord and Savior, that each person will accept what you have paid for. And Father God, that they will be empowered and walk out their calling. That they will join a Thrive Tribe. They will trust you with everything. And they will walk in victory and that freedom. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Spirit was moving over the water. Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Like the Spirit was moving over the water. Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Well, come down. The Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. 
When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you won't feel me calm down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you will feel me. Standing at your door, my heart is cold. 